We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And Oladipo wants it again. Approaching two minutes to play. With Hello Pacer fans and welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace on PacersTalk.net and CLNSmedia.com. I'm your host Alex Golden and joining me as always is the president of the Jermaine O'Neal Fan Club. Ladies and gentlemen, get up, for, give it up for Michael J. Focci. Thank you, thank you. You are far too kind. Alex, this is not just any episode. This is episode 50. Setting the Pace has 49 in the books. Episode 50 is here today. And we couldn't thank anyone other than the listeners. Thank you, guys. In 49 states, it's just basketball, but this is Indiana, and we had to bring back our main man, the coach and the insider, Tyler Smith. Tyler, welcome back. It's good to be here. Missed you guys. Could not miss episode number 5-0. What's going on? Not too much, man. Just rocking and rolling, keeping this podcast going and ready to talk some Pacers basketball. Fachi. Uh, it would have been a crime to not have you on. The original crew is back, the Three Musketeers, and I'm happy to see you, Tyler. It's been a while. 
Alrighty, so on today's show, we're going to be doing a couple things. We're going to answer your Twitter questions or your Facebook, social media questions, basically. Uh, any of those you sent to us. We have quite a few, so we'll get to those at the end of the show. But to start things off, we haven't really had a chance to go over the schedule here with Tyler. So, Tyler, we're going to go through, I guess, the last bit of October and then all of November and just kind of look at that first you know, month of basketball the Pacers have in front of them. So, looking at that schedule, what would you think? I like how things uh, shake out for the Pacers, really overall for the season, but especially in that first month. And uh, I wanted to get your guys' opinion because I was talking to uh, Jay Michael last month on Twitter a little bit, and he made an interesting point. He said that the Pacers would have preferred to have a harder schedule up front when Oladipo's out because you can sneak up on some teams and upset some teams earlier on compared to later in the year. That's kind of interesting. I I was leaning more towards having an easier schedule with Vic out, uh, some more winnable games. So after talking to him, I kind of landed in the middle of that, and I I just wanted the Pacers to come up with a balanced schedule, nothing too crazy, and that's what I feel like happened. But if you look at that first month, crazy that they played Detroit three times in the first like six or seven games, I think, and that's that's almost the entire – you know, season series against them without Oladipo, which is kind of unfortunate in that case. But um, there's one really tough stretch, November 15th through 18th at Houston, Milwaukee on a back-to-back, and then at Brooklyn a couple days later. You look at a stretch like that, if you can just get one game, win one of those three, they'll be in good shape. Um, but really nothing too crazy. A lot of winnable games in those first 19. I firmly agree. I think from that first 19 19- Right now, I have the Pacers going potentially 12-7, and seven, which, sure, it's not going to blow anyone away, but that's without Oladipo. So I think that's a, a great start to the season. In the first nine games, I don't want to get carried away, but I have them at 7-2. and two. I factored in a loss to Detroit and a loss to Brooklyn. So I feel pretty good about that spot because you're only playing two playoff teams in your first nine, and that's Detroit and Brooklyn. Well, what did you think about... Fachi, I'm going to ask you this because Tyler brought it up. What do you think about having a tougher schedule in the first half or the second half of the season? Honestly, I'd rather have a tougher schedule in the back half because I want to go into the playoffs beating good teams. Last year, the Pacers, they really they went flat into the playoffs, and I thought it was pretty rough. At, at least this time around, we're going to have Oladipo for more of the second half of the year compared to the first. We'll be at full strength, hopefully, knock on wood, and I think that we'll be ready to take on the challenge. Yeah, I mean, I listened to both sides because of my first – you know, reaction was, oh, yeah, you want to have the tougher schedule in the back half with Oladipo back. Hopefully he's healthy and ready to go. But then you think about it, and it's like I didn't necessarily think about the you can sneak up on teams aspect of it that you brought, Tyler. But I did think of, man, would I rather play the hard games without Vic, games that are probably gonna might probably lose with Victor healthy, and then have some cupcakes towards the end where I can get some of that chemistry going, uh, going into the playoffs playing some you know lesser teams the Eastern Conference has to offer. So kind of uh, what I was looking at, I was kind of on the fence about which one which one I would rather have. But, yeah, for me, I definitely think that I'd rather have a tougher schedule the first half just because I like having the ability to get those wins at the end of the season. you got that momentum going strong for you, and it just feels like you're all collectively together. But I think that it's either way, it's a really balanced schedule like you mentioned, Tyler. I didn't feel like there was any part that was like too hectic in one area more than the other. But do you guys – I want to ask you this. We didn't really talk about it uh, or plan for it. But, Tyler, I'll go to you. You know, Having those two games in India for the preseason, do you think that's going to help with the team chemistry because there's so many new players? 
I think so. I mean, the guys always talk about how, you know, the road trips can bond a team. And, you know, this team, uh, even though there's a lot of new faces, they're huge on team chemistry. So anytime you get a chance to go away for a while and, you know, more bonding time, um, it can do nothing but help, in my opinion. Watch. Firmly agree. I think a, a big trip like that is going to be a great experience for the Pacers, allow them to be able to bond together. I think new guys are going to have to just kind of step up. Miles Turner, I think, is going to have to be a leader of this team. I, there's no more waiting for him to develop. He's got to kind of be that guy on the court, especially while Vic is out. So I think it is a good opportunity for the team to bond together and develop chemistry early on before the season technically starts. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that this can only do good things for their team chemistry. You just hope they don't get fatigued, especially Miles Turner, all the stuff he's doing playing in the FIBA World Cup, you know, then going overseas once again to India. Just a lot of travel for him, but he's young, so I'm hoping he'll be able to recover. But let's go ahead and break down the schedule game by game. So opening night, we're going to just pick our win-loss record going all the way through November. So I'll ask the guys if they think it's a win or a loss, and I'll keep track of uh, what they're saying as we go along. So uh, first game, Pistons at home versus the Pacers. Um Pistons at the Pacers. It's a home game. Uh, Tyler, what you got? Pistons or Pacers in the home opener? Well, not only have the Pacers been really good at home for a really long time, they've been excellent in home openers for a really long time. Can't imagine uh, that they would drop that game. Uh, Pistons are a decent team, and obviously no Oladipo, but I feel like the hype, uh, Indianapolis will stand up, rise together, and uh, get a dub on that first night. Fachi? The boys come out to play on opening night, and they take down Detroit, defending home court. Uh, I think the Pacers win that game. I feel good about it. All right, moving on to game number two, Pacers at Cavaliers. That'll be on a Saturday, I believe. Uh, Tyler, Pacers or Cavs, who you got? I've got another win, so it would be great to start off 2-0, and uh, that's what I think will happen, getting that first road win. Cleveland does not want this smoke. The Pacers go 2-0. and <laughs> All right, well, let's keep it moving. Let's keep it moving. Monday, October 28th, Pacers at the Pistons. So uh, we get to see the Pistons once again in the first three games. <laughs> yeah, I've got Detroit getting some revenge in that one at home. That's a tough place to play. Uh, I think that'll be the first Pacers loss, but they get a chance to revenge that loss uh, not too long after that. So we'll see what happens there. Fachi? I'm with Tyler on this one. I think that the Pacers drop this game. They go 2-1. and one. Detroit, hey, come on. We can't look past them. They're still a good team. They're, they were a playoff team, and I think they got better. I think Derrick Rose is going to be a good addition for them. Pacers go 2-1. and one. And it looks like they might be in the running here to sign Joe Johnson as well to help with their bench after he had an MVP season in the Big Three. So it uh, could be some nice added depth for them, even though he's a little bit older. I uh, still think he can play. So Pacers at Nets is game four. What you guys got on that one, Tyler? Uh, I got a loss there, even though it's Brooklyn's hard to predict because, you know, KD won't be playing for a while, and they got a bunch of new faces as well. But I think that'll be a, a tough place. And so we'll drop to two and two at that point. I'm with Tyler on this one. I agree again. I think the Pacers fall to 2-2. Two and two. Brooklyn, you know, they, it's, we're on the road. I, they're still a, a pretty good team. They were the sixth seed. You might argue that they got better. I mean, not it's not an argument. They did get better. I think Kyrie Irving, DeAndre Jordan, they're just a little bit deeper this year. So I think we fall to 2-2. Two and two. Alex, nice. what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think that I agree with you guys for the most part there. I, 
I think we could beat the Nets. I just know that mm-hmm. the Nets definitely are a team that plays us tough, and they have a coach that does a good job of getting all of his young guys to play. Um, they'll be excited. I think Kyrie will still be, you know, getting a feel for the Brooklyn and how things are going there. So uh, I'm fine with two and two. Let's keep it moving. Uh, let's not spend too much time anal- analyzing all these games here. So Cavs at Pacers. Are we going to mark everybody down for a win there for the Pacers? Yes. Okay, so now we're at three and two. Uh, Bulls at Pacers. This might be a little bit tougher. The Thaddeus Young reunion. Uh, you taking a win or an L there, Tyler? Um, I this one's tough. You know what's also tough about doing this is it's like if they were to lose one before that you thought they would win, then it's like I think they'll win the next one and bounce back. That's right. how they kind of operate. But we don't have the luxury of doing that, so I'm going to go with a win on that Sunday night. Okay, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with a win. But the Bulls are they're. While they're still young, they're improved. I think it's going to be a game that could go either way. Look, we're not going to win every game that we should win. But, hey, if you ask me right now, I'm going the Pacers get this win. Okay, Pacers at Hornets on the Tuesday night. Tyler? I'm going Pacers. Yep, I got another win there. Even though having a couple road games that are wins early on is not going to be easy, even though they're easier opponents. But I still see a win. Got a couple losses coming up maybe after that. But I see... Very possibly a five and two star, which would be amazing. And then we got your Wizards, Fachi, at the Pacers. <laughs> okay, they are not my Wizards. They are the team of the city that I live in. But the Pacers are going to beat the Wizards. The Wizards are like an experiment this year, throwing out Isaiah Thomas. I'm I'm really not worried about them. They're in like an awkward stage where I feel like we know where the Pacers stand, and the Pacers stand on the winning side. I think this is Brogdon's breakout game. I'm going to go ahead and predict it. I think Brogdon's going to kind of get a feel for things the first couple games of the season, and then he's going to shut down Bradley Beal, and he's going to have him his way with Isaiah Thomas. I think this is his breakout game uh, where fans are like, okay, I'm all in on him now because I feel like he's not the most aggressive player. I think fans might be a little hesitant with a slow start, but I just kind of see maybe him having a slower start than usual. Because it's just kind of hard when you change teams like that, um, especially taking on a bigger role of ball handling. So this, to me, is his breakout game, but I'll, I'll give the Pacers a win. Do you have anything on that, Tyler? Uh, I've got a win as well. This is tough because it's like, man, if they started 6-2, and two, I think the city would be just going crazy of that yeah. kind of start. And, and that's going to be hard with all the roster turnover. But at the same time, you look at these games, and it's like I just don't see too many for-sure losses and a lot of chances to win. So i got yeah. a 6-2 start, and I'll say I've got them losing the next two after that. But 6-2 and two to 6-4, and four, that's what I've got. So you got them losing at home to the Pistons? Yeah, I think we take them on opening night, but they're a tough matchup, and maybe they get us the next two. But who knows? And you had the Pacers winning now in Fachi, I believe, at 7-2, right? Yes, I did. Revenge is a dish best served cold, and the Pacers are going to get it. They're taking down Detroit at home. They're going to 7-2. and two. All right, and so Tyler skipped ahead of the Magic. Uh, that's on the road. Who do you got there, Pacers at the Magic? I feel like that's a loss as well. I agree with Tyler on that one. Yeah. Fachi. I'm going with a loss. Okay, so you're sitting yep. at 7-3. and three. Tyler's at 6-4. and four. Let's keep it rolling. Thunder at the Pacers, Tyler. That's a win. All right. Fachi? Definitely. All right. So 7-4, 8-3. And, and then we got Pacers at Rockets. Uh, I'll mark the L there. We struggle in Houston. They're just too athletic, and nobody can really stop their scores. But I feel like this might be a random team that could beat the Rockets, too, at the same time. 
It could be. Last year, I hoped it just didn't work out. Even though the Rockets were struggling, they still managed to to get the best of us. And uh, I believe at least the two games that they played us in are, are the two games early on in the season. I just think that this was kind of the rough uh, stretch that Tyler was mentioning before, where it's going to be a bit tough here. All right, so we got losses for that. Then we have the Bucks on a back-to-back at home versus the Pacers. You guys giving the Pacers another L there? Yes. Well, I, I feel like I should cheat here and say they're going to win one of these three. I just don't know which one. But if we have to go in order, uh, I will say they are going to beat, shock the world, and beat uh, Milwaukee, even though it's a back-to-back, and then uh, lose the other two. I want to ask you this, Tyler, because me and Fachi talked about it a little bit a couple episodes ago, I'm pretty sure. Who do you think is the best player on the Pacers to defend Giannis Antetokounmpo? Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, we can, can we get Thad Young back just for a couple games? <laughs> yeah, the Giannis stopper, right? <laughs> yeah. That That's is tough. tough. I, I, uh, I'm intrigued by some of the new guys under Nate McMillan if they take a big leap in the defensive side. I mean, what if TJ Warren all of a sudden learns to play defense because he's under a better coaching staff? Right. Maybe he's got the length to try to slow him down a little bit. I don't know. That's yeah, a good question, I think though. it's, uh, it's going to probably be TJ or Jeremy. Uh, one of those two, I can imagine. I can't see Sabonis on him. I, that'd be a tough matchup for him. But at the same time, I don't really know if I want to see Sabonis out there chasing Chris Middleton either. So uh, it'll be interesting to see who they start and how they go about that. I mean, you might almost be better to put Sabonis on him and hope to make him shoot instead of letting him drive and then have Turner there kind of hanging out. But I don't know. It's a, It's an interesting question because I feel like that's the one piece we're missing for this Pacers team is just that, you know, stopper on the wing but maybe tj warren can do it you just never know but uh okay so let's keep it moving pacers at nets uh, again in on the road in brooklyn uh Fauci, what do you got there i don't like doing it but i have the pacers dropping uh the second game uh to brooklyn they're both on the road so you obviously know the next two will be in indiana i feel better about those but i have the pacers in a little bit of a rough spot there with the rockets bucks and brooklyn kind of bringing some losses to the team okay tyler what do you got I'm going loss unless they lose the back-to-back. Then they're going to go to Brooklyn and win, but I can't do that. So I'll have them. I had them beat Milwaukee, so I'll have them losing to Brooklyn. So I believe I got them at 8-6 and six at this point. Yeah, I have them losing the back, both back-to-back games there and winning against the Nets. I think they get their revenge there, get things together. Now we got another revenge game, Magic at the Pacers. Uh, Terrence Ross, is he going to score another 30 points in Bankers Life Fieldhouse, Tyler? Not this time. We're going to figure out a way. Uh, the next four games are at home, and I've got them getting some revenge on the Magic in that one. Okay. Let's just look at that the former Ma- homestead. They've got uh, the Magic, the Grizzlies, the Jazz, and the Hawks. Really only one, maybe maybe two playoff contending teams out there. I guess the Magic are a playoff contender, but the Jazz mm-hmm. are definitely the best of those four. Uh, Fachi, in those four games, what do you have Pacers doing there record-wise? I got the Pacers going three and one. They drop a game to the Jazz. I think it's going to be. Uh, it has the makings to be a really good game with the Pacers at home. I just think that the Jazz, man, they had a really great off season. I really feel like the Jazz are a team that is establishing themselves out west, and I, I think they take this one. Tyler, my thoughts exactly. Going three and one, probably the loss to Utah. Uh, cannot overlook Orlando. Obviously, they came into Bankers Life twice last year and won. And can't overlook Atlanta. They played really well, um, I guess, by their standards towards the end of the year and have some guys that can really score. So 
don't let those games be trap games anyway. But I got three and one in those four games. I got three and one as well, but I have us beating the Jazz and losing to the Hawks because I just feel like that's a game we could lose. Just as, like you said, Tyler, uh, it's you're going to get beat by these random teams you don't expect to be get beat by. It's just the regular season, the part of it. You go three and zero, you're looking to close it out. Maybe just kind of overlook the Hawks, and then you have the Sixers the following night. Uh, to close out the month of November on the road. So uh, what do you guys think about that game in Philadelphia? It's also a back-to-back. I just feel like Philly is that team that the Pacers got to be able to get over the hump against Philly. And unfortunately, I don't think this is the game. I have this as a, a loss. I have a loss as well, so that puts me at 11-8. and eight, But I was doing the math. That's a 47-win pace without Oladipo. So if they can go 11-8... and eight, 12 and 7 pace, I believe, is 52 win pace. So uh, if, if they come anywhere close to this 11 or 12 win total in these games without Vic, we're in great shape, boys. And Fachi, what's your record? 11 and 8. Like I said, I felt like you could go 11 and 8, 12 and 7. I was kind of split on if we are going to split that series with, with Brooklyn, but I feel like, as Tyler mentioned, 11 and 8 without Oladipo, you got to be feeling good about that. Yeah, I'm going to give the Pacers one more win than you guys did. I'm going to go 12-7 and seven here uh, to wrap out that first month and uh, just get ready for December. And do you guys, I, we've talked about it a tiny bit, but do you guys think Oladipo will come back early or as projected? So I'll start with you first, Fachi. Honestly, man, if you guys didn't listen to the episode we had with uh, Oladipo's videographer, TJ, I mean, he was saying that Oladipo was looking good, and I kind of was getting the feeling that he was ahead of schedule. I knew they threw out December, but I, I'm in the the ballpark of don't don't rush it. it you know, there, there's a ton of games to play. If we need to hold out Oladipo longer to make sure that nothing happens, then I feel fine with that. Because if you remember last year, Oladipo had a little bit of a, a knee issue last year, and then it was about 10 games later that he had the injury in the quad and he was out for the year. You kind of get the feeling it might have been correlated. So I think he comes back in December, and I'm fine with it. Tyler? Yeah, I think the way the Pacers are talking themselves, they've almost hinted that you know he could he could even possibly be ready physically for opening night, but they do not want to rush in any way. They want to make sure he's back to being himself 100%, even if that means a few more losses early in the season. You know, you want to have him fully back and, and ready to go. Um, he is a quick healer, and a, a, his work ethic is second to none. So when they mentioned December, January, I was thinking, no chance January. I really think December is the time. And, and I'm mm-hmm. if I were betting, I would say early December, which would be great, especially after the schedule that we just went over. Yeah, and honestly, like, it would not shock me at all if he came back that last week of November when they have that foreign game homestead there with the Magic Grizzlies, Jazz, and Hawks we just talked about. Maybe let him sit on a couple of those games, but bring him back, have him play every other game there against the Magic, against the Jazz, or whether it's the Grizzlies and the Hawks. I mean, just to kind of get his feet wet. Um, then you go, obviously, and you have some road games coming up and uh, after that home stretch there. so But they're all Eastern Conference opponents pretty much besides the Thunder. So uh, just a little interesting you know, fact about the schedule there. But I do think that he's going to come back earlier than expected, and I do think that they're not going to rush him back like every night starting type thing. He'll be on a minutes restriction as they try to get him warmed up. But I do think that by the time Christmas comes, he'll probably be in that rotation uh, 
at full strength. So, anyways, guys, let's take a break, and we will come back. Pacer fans, I encourage you guys to check out PacersTalk.net, where we have launched a brand new website earlier this summer where we're covering the team going forward. You can look at the roster, see what new players are on the team. You can check out the articles we have, our YouTube channels on there as well. Make sure you guys check it out. And, of course, you can hear all of our podcasts on PacersTalk.net. Let's get back to the show. All right, guys, we are back, and we are here to talk about our favorite moment over the past you know, the, the entire franchise's history, just talk about some of the things that we have loved the most being a Pacer fan and the moments that stick out the most to us. So, Tyler, since you're back with us today, I'll let you start this off. This is your idea, and I think it's a great idea. Well, there's a lot to choose from, and, I mean, there's been quite a bit of success, even though there's been no NBA title. Um, I think a lot of fans would point to the the famous Reggie shot over Jordan in Game 4, um, that was it's probably as far as like the most like in the moment, um, you know, being ecstatic in that moment. I mean, that's hard to top. But I'm still going to go the the moment we finally took down uh, the New York Knicks and won the Eastern Conference uh, Finals. It was like a long time coming. Don't even remember how old I was at the time, but I just knew it was like a, a sigh of relief that finally over the hump we get to play in the NBA Finals. That is my favorite Pacer moment. Fachi. You know, Tyler, you were touching on the the Reggie three against Jordan to force Game Seven in '98. I mean, it was simply electric. I covered on the podcast a while back. The Roy Hibbert block was probably one of my most favorite. But this moment against Jordan kind of sparked me being a Pacer fan. You know, it's it's '98 at this point. I'm seven years old, so it's like one of your first earliest basketball memories that you remember. And you got to remember, this is Jordan. This is King. So this is like right before his second retirement. Patriots haven't gotten out of the East yet. Reggie comes around the screen. He pushes Jordan. He hits a three. And the Pacers go up three. I mean, it was unbelievable. I still remember the call. It was just something that you just can't forget. I mean, they're thinking, one of the greatest clutch playoff performers of our generation has done it again. You know, it just was Amazing, and you know what's what's underrated and forgotten in that game is Reggie was one for twelve before that shot, and Jordan had thirty five points. But that three at the end is all that matters. And while we came up short in Game Seven to push the Bulls and Jordan to Game Seven was amazing. Was that Game Six? It was Game, game Six. Four. I thought it was Game uh, Four. Yeah, I, I, I think, was, I think for four. the longest time I thought it was game six, but it actually was game four. Yeah. Was I game heard four. Was, okay. Game five, they went and got smashed in Chicago. Game six, they won a close one, and Mark Boyle said, can you count to seven, or can you say game seven? Yeah, something like that. Wow. See, so, yeah, right. I'm with you, Fachi. Yeah. I thought for the longest time that was game yeah, six, and of course sworn. game seven. And then I was like, Oh, yeah, that was actually game four because when I looked up game six, like greatest moments versus the Bulls, like I tried to look it up on YouTube. I was like, it's not pulling up for game six, and it was actually game four. So, In your defense, uh, I was older than you at the time, so that, that helped me remember it better. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I was like uh, five or six at that point. I was born in 92, so I wasn't very old. And so that's kind of what brought me to where I'm at today. So uh, growing up, obviously, as a kid, you know, you kind of remember – what happened, but I remember more of it because I recorded, my dad recorded these games on VHS 
these playoff games, and I would go back and watch them and fast forward through all these hilarious commercials from the 90s and, you know, just get to relive Pacers basketball in the mid-2000s and, you know, uh, around 2005 to 2010, I would go back and rewatch them just like a diehard fan, you know. But uh, for me, like, just the moment that I really, like, just fell in love with this team, obviously, I'll never forget when Danny Granger dove on the floor against the Boston Celtics in the season opener and smashed both of his teeth into the concrete or into the court. And I was just like, man, I love this guy right here, Danny Granger. Uh, it was just kind of one of those things where I was like, this team's terrible, but I love Danny Granger, and I'm just going to root for him even though I hated the trade they made. Um, and then I think the saddest part for me was seeing Reggie retire because, yeah. I mean, the fans just – one more year, Reggie singing the song R A G G I E. Uh, that song when it would play throughout Bankers Life Fieldhouse, you know, you would just get emotional. And I mean, I still get emotional to this day watching Reggie and uh, that retirement, that video on YouTube, and it, it makes me even sicker to think about the brawl and how the how it affected the Pacers' last chances with Reggie. But you know, this is what having a player stay in one team for 18 years means to the fans, like. Dallas understands this because of Dirk, and I'm sure the Spurs understand it with Duncan and Ginobili and all those guys, but it's just that is a part of you that you grew up with and you didn't have to worry about them leaving, wanting out. They were just dedicated and you never had that fear of, oh my gosh, they might leave. Like I know that there was talks that Reggie actually at one point was going to go to the Knicks. Uh, that was something that was in the works possibly, and Donnie Walsh just gave him a contract and he signed it with the Pacers and he didn't even talk to the Knicks, but he did have interest from the Knicks in the 90s. And imagine Reggie, you know, leaving the Pacers after beating the Knicks for so many years to join the Knicks, like in the 90s. Like, that would have been heartbreaking. I mean, in today's NBA, you almost expect it. So I just kind of missed that a little bit. And so I guess with that being said, like the whole Danny Granger thing, like you knew he was dedicated to Indiana. He loved this city and this, and he loved the state, and he loved playing for the Pacers. And he didn't want to be yep. traded. And it might be one of the worst trades that we've seen uh, in Pacers history just because of the effect it had on the team. But, yeah, yep. so, uh, you know, just just reliving all the Reggie years and then, of course, just Danny Granger. I mean, obviously there's so many great moments, but uh, just – trying to like be realistic and say as a fan like when I first really became and fell in love with this team uh, as a young kid is just when I saw Danny give it all he had because that's the kind of player I wanted to be like I wanted to do whatever I could to help my team win no matter how good or bad we were so uh, that's my thoughts on that and I'd love to hear you guys' opinions on that Alex I can honestly say I had goosebumps when you were talking about regular time because the ceremony the last regular season game against the Bulls I mean that was that was touching. But then also in the Pacers uh, game against the Pistons, they were up in that game in Reggie's last game. And I remember I could not believe that they let that lead go because I didn't want it to end. You knew any loss could be literally his last game with the team. And the Granger years, they're, they're so dear to me because of how much older I was, where I was really able to appreciate everything. And when you look at Granger's career, his post-Pacer years, it's like, it's so sad because you never want to envision him in like a Clippers jersey or like a Heat jersey or just like anything of a sort. It's just gross. Yeah, and as you were talking about that, I had similar feelings to uh, PG twenty four. Yeah, Paul George when he was number twenty four when he was coming up the dunk over Birdman, the the way that he held him you know held himself in the interviews and. Um, the whole blue collar gold swagger era. Um, 
especially because I lived in Florida for about three years in the meantime before I came back and, and started doing media work here. But uh, I just I had so much pride and joy for Indiana basketball even more. It felt like when I was away just to talk to people there about like this is my boys, you know, blue collar gold swagger and Paul George, David West, Roy Hibbert, those guys, you know, following uh, that group. Uh, a lot of good moments despite coming up just short once again. I, yeah. I didn't want to sound like a, a broken record, but when we touched on the Hibbert block before, I mean, that was just it, it was something that I don't think I'll ever forget. As I mentioned, it was the background on my phone for three years <laughs> because it was just that pivotal of a moment. I mean, during that stretch that Tyler was just talking on, I convinced my friends to road trip twice to Indiana for playoff games once against the Knicks once against the Wizards I mean it was that span where I loved that group of Pacer players so much that it, that team will always be dear to me yeah and you definitely had to go see the Wizards play in Indiana because that's your team Fachi so yeah okay okay <laughs> all right guys well this was fun now let's transition and take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll answer the mailbag questions Alrighty, everybody, we are back, and we are here to answer your questions that you left us on social media. So starting first, let's hop over to the Instagram page. We have two questions here. This one is from Becker21. He says, how do you expect the Pacers to compete when today's league is clearly built around accumulating multiple stars? The closest thing India is to even one star is Oladipo. Even if he takes a step forward, do you really see any path to competitiveness for the Pacers in the next few years? Fachi, I'll let you take this one. I do. And the only way to combat that is being young, athletic, and having chemistry. And I think that that's something the Pacers do have. They've gotten younger. The chemistry, you know, that's going to take time to build. But they've been a team that they're coming off. They had so much chemistry that I think you're going to have. Guys like Oladipo and Miles Turner setting the tone, bringing guys closer together. We talked about the trip earlier in the year going to India. I think that that's the way to combat it. Being a tight knit group that's young and athletic, it's the only thing we can we can hang our hat on, and I think the Pacers do it better than a lot of teams. Tyler, yeah, there were some people talking about some people in the media as well talking about how this offseason hurts a team like the Pacers, and I believe it's the opposite. I mean, yeah, there's more teams that are solid now, but if there's more teams going to the two star thing instead of the three star thing. I feel like the Pacers, they have a better chance of competing with those kind of teams and playing team ball. Um, I also feel like there's a couple guys on this team that could develop into stars. I feel like Sabonis is a guy that with starter minutes could be the 18 and 10 beast type player if they can figure out how to play him at the four. He has a chance to maybe not be a you know as big of a name as a star or some others, but he's got a chance to be an all-star type player. Brogdon is another one that I feel like you know, you look at his numbers with uh, Giannis on the court and off the court, they're pretty similar. He has a chance to be a really special player if he's used correctly. So I do feel like there's uh, there's a lot of good pieces here that could turn into that, but um, it is a very valid question. Uh, it's something that they may never get over the hump if they don't add another star, but I do feel like at least the chance uh, to one day do that is there. Yeah, and I think that you know the Pacers have always been a competitive basketball team whether they have the star or not. Now, they did have a star in Paul George, but he requested out. And, you know, I think that Oladipo is on his way to, or was on his way to stardom. Now, with the injury, we don't know what he'll return to. But 
if he returns back to any form or shape that he was, I think that he could be a star. So, yeah, Becker, I, I really do think that the Pacers can be competitive enough to compete, and I don't think that any team really scares me that much in the Eastern Conference right now. Uh, I know Milwaukee and Philadelphia are the two front runners for sure, but I still think we could give them a series, and if we make the right move, get the right draft pick, I mean, there's no doubt in my mind that we could be just as competitive as, the, as them, and I know a lot of people that might not be Pacer fans might think that we're just, you know, blowing smoke, but I'm serious. I just think that this team has got the right pieces, they've got the right coaching staff and the right front office to get this team you know, to overachieve what, you know, critics might analyze them as and say what they could be. So, yeah, I do think they can be competitive. I don't know if they're title contenders or not, but competitive is the key word here, and I think they are. So let's move on to our last Instagram question. Jacoby Jonesworth wants to know, if Domas and Miles Turner don't work out, would it be better to trade uh, Sabonis for picks or bench depth or move him back to the bench and start Goga because he's a better floor spacer. So, Tyler, I'll let you start this one off. Ooh, I don't know. That's a loaded question when you added the Goga part as well because I don't know if he can play the four right away or what that would look like. Um, I'm still in the camp of wanting to keep both of those guys, Turner and Sabonis. Mm-hmm. Uh, I definitely would be hesitant to trade for picks, especially because they have aspirations of, you know, uh, again, trying to compete and at least be – you know, uh, went around to the playoffs. That's what they want to do this year, hopefully. So I don't know if I would trade for picks. I would be at least a little bit intrigued with putting him back as the backup five, playing a lot of minutes and going that route. But I feel like I said last offseason as well that this was a year to see what you have in both of them, uh, see what's going on, make a decision after that, after that fact. But I would love to figure out a way to keep both these players, if at all possible. Super loaded question over there. That's basically a full <laughs> clip right there. Because I just think, one, we don't know what we have in Goga yet. We have to see. Two, you're not going to be able to move Sabonis for a bunch of picks unless you really sign him. And at this point, for the picks, are we really trying to have like kind of another rebuild? I feel like this is a time where you want to add to this team. So I think the Pacers just have to figure it out. I wouldn't want to see Sabonis go. So I, I think you're just going to have to make it work. If it doesn't, then, hey, you could move him back to the bench if it happens. But I feel like Sabonis, it's kind of like a butterfly, and you got to let him fly, spread his wings, and take off. The bench, it, it's too restricted for him. Let's have some patience here. Yeah, I don't see him reverting back to the bench, especially for Goga. I just I just don't buy that. I don't think Goga's ready or will be ready anytime soon. I think that the Pacers' best bet would probably to play T.J. Warren at that power forward and play Goga and Sabonis off the bench together if they did have to go that route. But I don't see any return to the bench for Sabonis at all. I expect them to figure this out. And if they don't, you know, it's not like they couldn't trade Miles Turner either. I know that's not part of the question. But depending on who is playing better than the other and what you can get more in return for if it's not working out, then I think you have to evaluate both players. It's not just one. It's not just oh, we got to get rid of Sabonis if he doesn't work out. Well, it's not just solely on Sabonis to get this to work out. It's on the whole team and it's on Turner as well. So, uh, but I, I've as I keep getting ready for the season, I keep feeling more optimistic about these two playing together, and I really believe that they will work out. So, if you're pessimistic about it. Uh, try to remain positive because I think they might surprise you. So moving on, I want to just jump over to this question real quick because it kind of ties in with Goga. But uh, on Twitter, uh, OG Zimdipo wants to know estimated minutes per game for Goga. So 
Uh, Flachi, I'll start with you. Yeah, I, I, it's a bit hard to tell because of this bonus experiment at power forward. It's not like you can compare him to Kylo Quinn's mitts. You know, it's looked like Goga is going to be the primary backup center. I would say if you can try and get him around 15 minutes per game, I'd feel pretty good like that. You don't want to kind of throw him in for a sink or swim. I feel pretty good with around 15 minutes, give or take. What do you guys think? Tyler? Yeah, I had 12 to 15, mm-hmm. and like you said, it's hard to say, not just because it's a bonus, though, but also because of the, like, who's going to play backup four minutes? Is it something where TJ Leaf's going to take and run with it? Will McDermott ever play there? Will the other TJ play there um, and kind of force the hand where maybe Sabonis plays a little bit more five when Turner's out, um, which takes away minutes from Goga? So it's really tough, and, and plus, not a lot of rookies play a whole lot of minutes under McMillan. Uh, they say that he's ready. Uh, to contribute right away but we'll see i'm gonna go i'll go somewhere in the middle of you know 13 14 minutes a game yeah i have him penciled in at 16 right now with turner getting 32 minutes at the center position but i've mentioned this with Fashi several times I, I have a feeling goga being a big and a rookie might find himself in foul trouble so while the goal might be 16 minutes i think 10 to 12 is probably more realistic uh especially for the first half of the season just because Big guys getting foul trouble, trying to learn the NBA pace and all that. And you could see Sabonis playing some backup center with the second unit some uh, based on the rotations with how they how they handle things. So, yeah, that's that's kind of where I, I see Goga as well. So I agree with you guys on that. Let's move forward. Evan Price 1 wants to know, your favorite non-pacer player of all time, Tyler. Uh, did he say is was I thinking of another question? Somebody said favorite current pacer, not name Oladipo. Or is that a different That's a question? different question. This said your okay. favorite non pacer player of all time. Okay, cool. Favorite non pacer, uh, I gotta go gotta go Dirk in that case. Okay. I've always loved watching him and Vince Carter's honorable mention probably. Um, just trying to think on the spot. Uh, but yeah, I think you know, Dirk, especially because going back to the NBA Live uh, 2003 and 2004, which nobody on the planet Earth could beat me at those games. <laughs> so uh, I would play with Dallas. I would put Juju Wong in the starting lineup, and I had like five guys that could hit threes. You couldn't beat me. So Dirk. Fachi? <laughs> <laughs> it's tough. I've always had a lot of respect for Michael Jordan, but it was more of a respect on the thing. Not, not, no, no. Not a love <laughs> That split between I, – I might have to give the nod to a guy who you are not fond of, but that might be Carmelo Anthony. Oh, I gosh. was a day one supporter. Can we please do I an had, episode without Carmelo talk? <laughs> I had – he keeps popping up. You can't keep him out of these episodes. I had the first two pairs of Mellows. I rebought them when they re-released the first pair. I had the jersey. I mean, I was a mellow guy. So, so was it tough I, for you when Roy blocked him? Was that a tough moment or was it – no, on that one, I'll, I have Pacers over Mello. If I had to pick one, because you guys know I'm siding with the guy on my jersey as my number one, Jermaine O'Neal, then Reggie, then I was a Paul George guy. But, you know, Mello gets the nod as a non-Pacer. Yeah, so mine is uh, it's, it's a tough one because I, I love T-Mac growing up. I had the T-Mac shoes. They were probably about 20 pounds on each foot because they had the clunky wood piece floor on the back of it, but they were cool-looking. So I like those shoes, but I, I honestly like this might be a surprise to you guys, but one of my favorite players uh, to watch growing up was Baron Davis. Uh, I liked him on the Hornets; he was just a I highlight reel. And then when he went to the Warriors and they upset Dirk in the uh, first round, and Stephen Jackson and all those guys got traded, I just fell in love with Baron Davis on the Warriors, and I just 
was a big BD guy. So yeah, that's that's kind of a sleeper pick for me. I love Baron Davis, but it's just it's just hard. I usually found myself liking teams more than individual players. Like I enjoyed watching the Suns with Nash and Amari. Like those two guys were really fun to watch when uh, early two thousands because they were the ones that I was hoping would take down Kobe because I couldn't stand him. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, but Baron Davis, I've really enjoyed him. So let's move on to the next question. Our boy Alex Riley wants to know favorite guest that we've had on the show to date. So. Fachi, I'll let you answer this one. You're never going to be able to top Jermaine O'Neal. Yeah, I mean, I was try—I was trying not to fanboy. It was unbelievable. I mean, the fact that Jermaine came on setting the pace was just out of this world. Uh, Runner-up Al Jefferson was super cool. I really enjoyed that interview. Uh, I thought he might have given the best interview, if not Jermaine. Tyler? Yeah, I got to agree. Jermaine was my second favorite player growing up. And even though I get the opportunity to uh, interview some guys uh, currently on the team, I was still, it was still pretty, pretty nostalgic and pretty like, uh, you know, fanboy moment as well to get the big J.O. who I even tried to model my game after when I played back in the day. uh, Did you blow on your hand before your free throws? I didn't do that. His free throws took too long for me. I was more of a Reggie free throw shooter, but I definitely did the uh, shake your head and kind of, you know I wore the headband as well. Yeah, Guys, so. I'm not gonna lie. I had the baby hook going on growing up. I did. <laughs> I tried to model it. it. It wasn't as good, but I would always shout Jermaine, just kind of putting it up, hoping I was like him. It didn't really go down too much. How tall are you, Fudge? Five ten. We know why you needed that hook shot. You couldn't get shots over the big guys in the paint. Yeah, had to float it up higher. Absolutely. Yeah, for me, I know J.O. is probably the uh, like the most popular pick, but I can't lie, guys. That interview we had with Al Jefferson was my favorite so far. That He was so down to earth. He was hilarious. He had me laughing throughout the whole entire conversation. We asked him for 15 to 20 minutes, and we ended up going like 30, 35, and he was like, yeah, I'd love to come back on. You know, It was just one of those things where you just realize how cool of a person Big Al was. And you know, seeing our little post about what he had said about Miles Turner and the team and then getting Kevin Pritchard to respond to it about how they're still looking for a Big Al to fill those shoes every time they make a roster move, you know, just goes to show you how great of a player he was and how much he meant to this team. And, yeah, he was just—he was so cool, down to earth, and I haven't met a player that we've talked to that's probably been as down to earth as Al Jefferson. So that was that was a big moment for me. So let's move on. Pacers underscore underscore talk. They want to know what are your expectations for the first part of the season with basically a whole new roster and Vic Oladipo out with injury. I think we kind of talked about that in the first segment, but I'll let you kind of uh, summarize that, Tyler. Yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody really knows what to expect with this team. You know, we, we had some good records there in the first 19 games. But, you know, even without Oladipo, they've got a solid group of players. I think so much of their success will depend on whether or not Sabonis can play the four. And the thing is, too, is, you know, there was a lot of turnover on this roster. Sometimes te- teams take a while to get acclimated to one another. Other times, though, it's not a big deal. Like, sometimes teams take off right away. So that's what we're hoping happens. One thing I think we can expect and know for sure, the Pacers will be competitive on most nights. They're not going to back down from challenges, and I do expect at least, at the very least, a winning record even without Oladipo. Best-case scenario, they exceed expectations. He comes back, and all of a sudden people think, "Uh uh-oh, this team's legit. They're getting Oladipo back, and who knows how far they can go. Hachi? Um, I'm with Tyler on that one. I mean, we were talking about maybe, you know, 11-7, 12-8. 
through uh, the first you know 19 20 games of the season first couple of games of december are a bit soft as well memphis oklahoma city detroit the knicks uh we're targeting oladipo coming back in december so i think that why can't we be anywhere from around close to five games over 500 before he comes back i feel great about that i mean as tyler mentioned that would put us right around a 47 game pace we finished at 48 the last two years why can't we get to 50 wins if he comes back healthy and looking like his normal self I think we're going to be in good good shape. Yeah, I mean, I think that our floor probably is a 500 record or just maybe a game or two under 500 if something bad were to happen. You know, I'm with you guys. I think that we can probably figure it out and, and maintain a good enough record so when Oladipo does come back, we can just continue to grow as a team. So uh, moving on, Sam Sinclair, he is the host of the – I think it's a Circle City podcast. He covers both the Pacers and the Colts. And he wanted to know what is our favorite memory from the first 50 episodes. So who wants to go first? Uh, I'll go. Uh, <laughs> honestly, <laughs> always ready. That's my nickname. No, but interviewing Jermaine O'Neal is something that I never thought would ever happen. I mean, how many people? It's a true question. How many people can get to say that they got to talk to like their idol growing up? I mean, it's such a slim number, and the fact of how cool he was just really completed the full picture of, like, that's my favorite player. No one's ever going to compare to that. So I was very fortunate for, for that opportunity. It's got to be my number one moment. Tyler? Yeah, I mean, uh, it may not be exciting to say I agree, but I do. That's just an incredible moment to interview him. Um, I also, uh, I love, you know, when people leave positive comments about the show and, and uh, appreciating uh, time spent working on the show. So that's a, a cool thing as well, even though that's not a specific episode. But I also really enjoyed asking fans about uh, the Mount Rushmore Pacers and uh, seeing, uh, tallying up all the votes and seeing all the votes that came in. That was a fun one to do. Yeah, and I unfortunately was not able to make that one because I was out that night, but I loved that moment too, and I saw that uh, – Pacers clutch points was trying to do the Mount Rushmore Pacers. It's like, yeah, we already did that about nine months ago. You're a little behind, but uh, thanks for thanks for trying to keep up with us. But um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think that just covering the playoffs with you guys was a lot of fun. Doing a lot of previews and stuff with, you know, just guys that are covering the team here locally. I thought that was a lot of fun. You know, we've had Jeremiah Johnson on here. We've had uh, Jay Michael, Kevin Bowen. I mean, just the amount of former players that we've had on the show too. I know Fonchi, I've let you do some one-on-ones with those guys, and I've just really enjoyed it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, honestly, like just doing this thing with you guys and being able to come on and talk every week, whether it's with guests or not, we've just had a lot of fun. And uh, one of the things I really enjoyed, honestly, was doing the Point Guard Chronicles. Uh, it was kind of funny how we got so much feedback from that, and one of our most listened episodes was the Malcolm Brogdon episode, and then we ended up getting him. I just thought that was kind of wild how all Pacer fans just really come to seem to be in sync with us getting him. So that was a really cool moment for me just to see somebody that we targeted as a potential, you know, guy to get was actually brought to this team, and so many people yeah. were excited about it. But honestly, just being able to talk Pacers basketball and having an audience and being able to interact with you guys on Twitter means the world to me. And I wouldn't change it for anything. So, moving on, this is the question you were asking about here. Favorite current Pacer not named Victor of the Depot? Uh, I'll let you go first, Tyler. Well, if any of the guys listen to this, I don't want them to think I don't like them if uh, if I pick somebody else. But, honestly, the locker room is full of good guys, and I feel like the new guys kind of fit right into that. 
Um, it's tough to pick someone new that we don't really know as well. So I think between so- Sabonis and Turner and love Aaron Holiday too as well, but um, those guys are both great in the locker room, both good dudes and uh, good, you know, I like them as players as well. I think Malcolm Brogdon has a chance to be the guy that becomes a fan favorite right away, a really good guy. Just, you know, hearing him talk about Oladipo and what it means to be a pacer and all that stuff, I mean, it's it's a breath of fresh air, perfect fit. So he's uh, he's going to creep into that probably. Fachi? The man is just so smooth, kind of, it doesn't, never really attracts a lot of attention, but do I have to Sabonis? I mean, Sabo, I think the world of Sabonis. I honestly think that he is going to blossom into someone who, on the in the right situation, could, I strongly think, could be an all-star. So I think that Sabonis, while he's never going to be maybe the face of the team, like an Oladipo, or like fans are really, really close to Miles Turner, Sabonis right now is my guy. Yeah, I'm with you, Fachi. I'm a huge Sabonis guy. I'm really excited for him in the future. But, you know, if I'm talking about new additions, I think, honestly, my new favorite pacer might be Goga Batadze. I just love saying his name, and uh, I, I love how excited he looks to play for the Pacers. And this looks like somebody that could be here for forever. I, I mean, if he really pans out, I think he could be a pacer for forever. And I may or may not have mentioned in a uh, in a private message with somebody that don't be surprised if Goga Batadze ends up being the best pacer uh, big man on this current roster in the next 10 years. Uh, not saying not <laughs> saying that I believe it, but I said don't be surprised if it is because if the pacers are this high on him and seeing all the stuff he can do at just 18, I mean, he just seems a little bit more confident in himself and what he can do, and he kind of does what Turner and Sabonis do together. I mean, if he, if he pans out like some are expecting, then uh, – you know, he could be better than both. But anyway, our last question is from our good friend Zach Noble from the Four Seasons Show. He asked about a three-part question. So he wants us to rank the top five coaches. So let's just do this together. Uh, who's number one, Steve Kerr or Popovich? I'd go Pop. Pop? I'd go Pop. I'd go okay, Pop. and Kerr number two? Man, it's, it's hard, hard to, to tell. Yeah. It really is. I'll let you go first. He's got such a good team, but he does really well with them. And right. he's, he's super impressive with, um, you know, just the way he talks and the way he handles himself. And But I still, I mean, even though they struggled last year, I still probably go Brad. Like if I was taking a, a, a coach ah. to lead my team, I would probably go Brad. It just, really let's would. see with Brad to me, I think, I think, I feel like he does better when he's the underdog. When he's the top dog, he hasn't proven that he can lead his team to the promised land. I mean, there's been times like, like even the year that they went uh, two years ago against the Cavs, you know. Um, anyway, like, you know, against the Cavs, they took them to seven games. But at the end of the day, uh, Kerr has been having to deal with these players. Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson, Seth Curry. I mean, there have been some personalities in this locker room, and you know what? He lets them be themselves, and I feel like. Uh, while he's inherited a great team, I think he's a great coach. Uh, I'd have Kerr as number two right now for me. My counterpoint to that would be Kyrie has some issues that sound alike as well and some guys in that locker room, but Stevens didn't have as many future Hall of Famers probably. But, yeah, I mean, you can go either way. I, you know, I, either think, one I think Stevens said, is in my top five, no, sh- uh, yeah. no doubt about that for sure. But I, I just think that I'd give Kerr the nod because he's got the championships to back it up, at player and yep. coach. You got to give Kerr the nod. He's a winner just overall. Everybody would love to see him coach another organization to really have the the full grade on him. But I'm going Kerr above Brad Stevens. He he's got the resume. I mean, you can't knock him for 
for what he's done. He couldn't have done anything more. He can't win really five straight. It just doesn't happen in today's game. Yeah, so I would put Stevens three probably then. I think he's done a great job uh, with with the team that he's had. And this might be probably one of their better rosters. If they would just have Horford, I'd like him a lot better. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, it really, as coaching goes, I really like him. Uh, do you have him as number three, five years, or somebody else you have in mind? Uh, it, it's, it's give or take. I think he's right around there. But we got to give some love to Doc Rivers. I mean, Rivers, he's obviously had the veterans in Boston, but – he is a really good coach. He got way more out of the Clippers last year than anyone thought was even possible. They have a much better roster this year. I wouldn't be surprised if Doc Rivers' name is being talked about way more now that he actually has the talent to go after another championship. Who do you have in yeah, that three? I like Doc, but I had him more maybe around five. I like Kerr at three. Top five for sure. Yeah, I like Kerr at three and – Maybe a dark horse, but I'm going to go uh, Coach Spo Spolstra at four, um, and then maybe maybe if, uh, if Toronto's good, even with with Kawhi leaving, then you got to give uh, their coach some love. You know, yeah, mad props what he did last year, but I just think Coach Spo was underrated for a while and did a lot with you know the Hollywood team that he had, and then has done a pretty decent job since then. But maybe I'm forgetting somebody, but I I throw him in there. Yeah, I think I Rick Carlisle's in there for me at number yep. at number four. I think that Carlisle has. Just done wonders, and while the while I he stays with Dallas, I would like to see him with a team that maybe has a little bit more of a competitive roster. I mean, he's still got decent players on his team right now with Luca and Chris Tops, you know. So maybe the future could be bright for them. But I am a huge fan of Rick Carlisle and just his resume overall. I think he gets overlooked a little bit. Carlisle yeah. was the one guy I was going to name. I, I got a lot of love for Carlisle. I think that he is just. A bona fide winner, regardless of what his record is in Dallas. They haven't put the the best team around in the past, but I don't think that takes anything away from him coaching. I think he's a great coach. He has the talent now. I think Dallas, for the next few years, is going to take a big step forward. So I never wanted to see him leave Indiana. I I think Rick Carlisle is a definite top five coach. So who's your top five altogether then, Fotch? Uh, Pop. Um, Kerr. Uh, Brad Stevens and and Doc are going back and forth, and then I got Rick Carlisle right there. Uh, Spolstra would be an honorable mention because I didn't always have the respect for Spolstra just because he had the big three in Miami first, but he's earned my respect. He has. He is a good coach regardless of what talent's on the team. Miami is, is going to be in the thick of things, uh, so I'd put him at that five or six, but most likely at maybe six. Yeah, and so for me, I would go one as Pop, two Steve Kerr, three Brad Stevens. And, you know, it, I like Doc. I, I kind of feel like he's in that four to six range. I kind of want to give a little love here to Rick Carlisle number four. And then at number five, I'm probably going to just do this just to be different. But, uh, you know, I like Spolstra. I like Doc Rivers. But one coach that I think gets overlooked every single season and his team always overachieves is Terry Stotts in Portland. Terry Stotts is somebody that I really just like the way that he composes himself, the way he gets his guys to play. And I know that they've had some ups and downs there in Portland, but you know, outside of Dame and the what we saw from CJ this year, like he's had to rely on one or two guys playing up against some of the toughest teams in the NBA and he's taken them down, you know, and he hasn't had like a top five superstar on his team as well. So uh, I, I gotta give love to Terry Stotts there, but obviously, you know, 
the resume speaks louder for Doc Rivers and, and Spolster, so they probably would get the nod. But I, I, I like Stott, so I'll give him a little bit of love there. And, of course, another coach, the Pacers coach, named McMillan, uh, he's probably top 10, top 15 for me. Uh, not, I know Pacer fans get annoyed with him, but I do think that he is a winning coach and he coaches the right way. And then the Jazz coach, I like him a lot, Quinn Snyder, uh, somebody that's still got a lot to prove. But I do like the way he coaches, and uh, I love that we didn't mention Mike D'Antoni once. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, there's a lot of fog and mirrors over there, so I'm not buying D'Antoni. But I got a lot of respect for Terry Stotts. I do. All right, and then uh, the next question he has is the five most valuable bench players. So let's just all give one valuable bench player and then come up with two more. So, uh, Tyler, you go first. Well, I can't say Sabonis anymore, so uh, <laughs> let's go with uh, um, why am I drawing a blank on last year's six man, the guy that always Lou drops Williams. about Lou yeah, Lou Williams, the guy that drops about thirty every game. Yeah, right. Lou Williams. I mean, he's he's not a bench guy anymore, but I love me some Sabonis. Love it. Uh, last year, I felt oh, like well, let's he should have been going future though. Let's sure. let's look at future guys sure. off the bench. Give me somebody else. Montrez Harrell. I love okay. what Harrell brought. I, I thought he was a great sixth man last year. Well, the seventh, depending how you want to look at it, but <laughs> bench guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, five most valuable bench players is what we're doing here. So, you can have two of the same team. Uh, one for me that I think is a, a little bit of a sleeper Eric Gordon in Houston. I know that he started some games last year, but uh, I think he'll be coming off the bench now with probably uh, Westbrook showing up there, maybe. I don't know, but. Uh, him coming off the bench is something that I, I like him a lot as a player. They obviously do, too. They extended him. And I had another one, but it kind of slipped my mind. But um, uh, you guys have any more guys coming off the bench you could think of? Maybe Terrence Ross? I don't know. You love Terrence Ross. I don't love Terrence you Ross. You love him. No, I loved yes, him for the right do. price. It's a, it made sense for the Pacers to go after him for the right price. I, I came I up twice love- today. Yeah, I said, is he going to kill the Pacers? That's all I said. He's a Pacer killer. You're a Wizards fan, Fudge. No, I'm not in no way. <laughs> Just because I don't live in Indiana doesn't mean I like the team that it's plays in the state. Okay, okay. Any is, more uh, you guys is, can think of? Van Fleet, is he going to start now? Uh, I don't know. Kyle Lowry probably will still start. Yeah, yeah. so he would be he'd be on my list probably. Yeah. Um, Iguodala? Yeah. Definitely. Maybe not, you know, if you're not talking about most maybe talented of today's game, but like the just the value they bring to their specific team, then yeah. there's some guys on those playoff teams that you'd think I'm sure about. I'm missing some, you know what I mean? There's just so, so many guys. Patty Mills? Patty Mills is a good one? Uh, <laughs> how mean, about, I like, uh, I like it. How about whatever team Carmelo signs with? <laughs> I'll agree to it. Oh, God. <laughs> Oh, yeah, this is the one I was thinking of. Spencer Dinwiddie with uh, the Nets. I think that he is somebody that we should yeah. give some love to as a bench player. Um, that would be on my top five for sure. So I agree with Harrell and Williams and Eric Gordon and Spencer Dinwiddie. Uh, Gordon Van Hayward? Fleet, uh, uh, no, Eric Gordon. No, well, uh, he's, he named Gordon. Eric Gordon Hayward, yeah. Gordon is he Hayward, coming yeah. off the bench? Last year he did. I don't know if he will yeah. this year, though. Him, Jalen. Jason Tatum, Smart, Kemba. I don't know. Someone's got to come off the bench. I would assume it's Jalen. Whichever one comes off the bench out of that group is on my list. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. 
Well, let's move on. The last question that Zach had for us was the most fun bad years, and he meant most fun individual season that didn't live up to expectations or was a losing season. So um, I guess I'll start off on this one because I haven't started one out yet. And for me, it would be that year the Pacers played the Bulls in the playoffs uh, once Jim O'Brien was fired and we hired uh, Frank Vogel uh, as the coach, and he finished out the year as an intern head coach. But uh, I really enjoyed that year and just seeing the development of the younger guys and watching them grow together and uh, play some competitive basketball against the Bulls even though they lost them five. Isn't that great, though, that that's considered a bad season for the Pacers, that they were still in the playoffs? That's pretty – that says a lot, you know, about all those playoff teams. I really like the the year of Jared Jack that year when they were bad, but they just had, like, kind of a bulldog mentality. And um, me – They upset a lot of teams, didn't they? Yeah. Personal reasons, you know, just the the year that Paul George got hurt, but the fact that I was kind of getting started a little bit in media – being able to cover the team, and even though they lost a lot of games, um, just personal reasons, being being around the guys and getting my feet wet in that department. But yeah, so aside from what uh, what Alex said about that uh, Pacer team that ran to the Bulls, you know, just like Tyler was mentioning, that 2008-2009 team, which came up before when Alex talked about Granger signing the extension, breaking his front teeth on the court against the Celtics, that was the same year. And Granger wins most improved player of the year. I mean, he puts up nearly 26 points per game that year. I mean, he was on fire that year. It was like 16 straight games or 20 or more. Had a couple of game winners. I just feel like in a year where the team just, they stunk and, you know, we weren't making the playoffs, he gave you something to root for. You know, that was yeah. his one all-star appearance. And I feel like that was the year where it was just like, hey, you know, whatever, it's not working out. But Granger, that's our guy. That's our franchise guy. And he's he's working his butt off night in, night out. Yeah, that's the year that I think he hit the game winner against the Suns. And I think that's and the, the same Knicks. year. And the Knicks. And I think that's the same year that we had Troy Murphy get the tip in against the Lakers. Um, oh, I remember that. That was a yep. fun game as well. I'll, I'll still remember Chris Denary's call on that. So our last question goes uh, comes from Ian Stroud on uh, Facebook, and he said, do you see Aaron Holiday getting playing time this season, and how does he compare to T.J. Uh, McConnell? <laughs> I was losing the last name there since we have so many. But uh, personally, I, I think Holiday is going to start over T.J. McConnell. McConnell is just kind of there for, to me as – or not start, but be the backup uh, point guard there as our as – our, you know, guy behind Brogdon. I think that McConnell's a third-string point guard, but I think that he will get minutes, especially when they need a change of pace because of just the tenacity he brings to the court. So, Fachi, what do you think there? Yes, I see Aaron Holiday getting minutes this season, of course. I mean, he's expected to take a step up. It's your sophomore year. I do see him as the backup point guard. I think T.J. McConnell, as we've talked about on the show, I think he knows his role. He'll be ready to go when called upon, but the the move is to develop Holiday. So I see him definitely getting more minutes. I would like to see him around, you know, actually the 18 to 22 minutes a game. If we can get that, I, I would like that. I think that's a good enough minutes responsibility for him to, to step up. You know, someone's got to take the minutes that Corey Joseph and Darren Collison left open. Obviously, Brogdon is going to take a big amount of that, but come on, it's Holiday over TJ McConnell. <laughs> Gotta throw in the last name with this team. <laughs> Just call him by last name; it's easier. <laughs> Tyler, yeah, Hol- Holiday better play, or Pacer fans are going to riot. I think. Uh, I don't know how much, but I, I feel like, like you guys, he's going to be the primary backup. 
with the chance to you know play quite a few minutes. And I do feel like in the time without Oladipo, I feel like there's a chance for both of those guys to uh, get minutes, be in the rotation. McConnell probably takes last year's holiday role, but maybe right. a little more than what he was able to get. And he is a type of guy, the way he plays, that McMillan will appreciate and um, – you know, fan favorite type player that can dive on the floor and, you know, set up the offense and, and make some plays that way. But surely Holiday uh, is going to get some run. And you could even see Holiday playing some one while uh, Brogdon shifts to the two at times, which may open up maybe some minutes at the one uh, off the bench for McConnell. Yeah, and I think honestly that McConnell might just be insurance in case Brogdon does suffer another injury as well. Uh, McConnell is a respected backup point guard. He's not going to give you the greatest, uh, you know, on-court statistics with points and all that kind of stuff, but he does the little things that you need to win games. So, all right, guys, we're going to wrap this podcast up uh, with parting words. I want you guys just to say something about your experience on the show and what you're looking forward to with the upcoming episode. So, Fachi, I'll let you start this off. I loved every second of it. Talking Pacer basketball is literally my favorite. The fact that we got now 50 episodes in the books. As I mentioned, we were 49 earlier, but I appreciate you guys sticking with us. Uh, It's been great. We've had a lot of uh, fan favorite players on the show in the past, some great media members, but I truly believe the best is yet ahead. And I want to thank all you guys for sticking with us that whole time. Yeah, and I also want to thank the fans. It's been great uh, being uh, involved uh, when I'm able to and moving forward. Um, maybe not every week, but as often as I possibly can. And uh, just interacting with fans, uh, whether it's Twitter or um, the interaction we've had with the show has been awesome. And like Fachi said, look forward to uh, even brighter days ahead. Yeah, the future is very bright for setting the pace. We love your support. We love you guys listening. And give us any feedback that you have. We appreciate you guys so much and look forward to growing with you because without you guys, this podcast is not possible. If we don't have people listening to our show and just supporting us, you know, not even so much with money, but just so much with, you know, support of, hey, really enjoyed the show, just comments, just great feedback, you know, it really means a lot to us. And we definitely appreciate your guys' input and we look forward to just continuing to put out great content for you guys and getting better overdoing so we can continue to make these shows and with that being said, you can follow us on Twitter at SettingThePace3. You can follow Tyler at TylerSmith underscore ISL, Fachi at underscore F-A-C-C-I, and me at AlexGoldenNBA. And until next time, we'll talk to you later. Peace out, Pacer Nation. Let's go, Pacers.